Well, let's welcome on and talk some Sooners and Cowboys with Jenny Carlson of the Oklahoman. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. And before we dive into it with Jenny Carlson, just a reminder, leave us a rating and a review on this podcast, and we'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. Leave me a rating and a review. Hit that five-star number. And then write a little comment for us and send me a screenshot of it to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And we'll get a koozie in the mail for you when you send me that screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much, guys. Jenny, thanks so much for being here. And I want to just start off with the Oklahoma Sooners, who cracked the top 10 of the AP poll this week. I don't know if anybody really saw this coming for Long Kruger's team. How surprised are people uh, around the program, the media, to the fans about how this season has unfolded for the Oklahoma basketball team? Well, two weeks ago, they weren't even getting votes in the AP poll, and now they're in the top 10. So, yeah, I think it's safe to say that we didn't exactly see this level of uh, of winning coming maybe from this team. Yeah, it has been a little bit of a, a little bit of a wow, I'll be honest. Um you know, I think that uh, they've, like many programs, have had ups and downs, uh, fits and starts with COVID, um, whether it's, you know, missing players. I mean, they've missed uh, a couple guys the last two games, including leading scorer Austin Reeves uh, with, with COVID contact tracing. So, you know, they're still in it, but it, it, it definitely felt like the beginning of the season was, you know, much more impacted by that, sort of the you know, coming together and getting things figured out. And I think part of what we're seeing is a team that, you know, hasn't had those big stoppages and they're really starting to find a groove, you know, figure out who they are. And they're doing that even though they haven't been, you know, full strength necessarily, even when they've had all their guys, you know, somebody like Brady Manick, who was their leading scorer a year ago, he, he, he is dealing with the after effects of being out, uh, with COVID and, and not, he's not starting. We're starting to see him look a little bit like his old self. He, he played great late in the game over the weekend in the SEC challenge game against Alabama that OU won, uh, played, you know, pretty well, uh, again on, uh, on Monday night when OU lost it at Texas tech. Uh, so we're starting to see that turnaround, but that, you know, even at that, they've continued to win a lot of really, uh, big basketball games. So, I think the fact that they've done it in different ways with different guys available and other ones not, I mean, that's been fairly surprising. But, uh, yeah, I mean, a team that doesn't sort of have a lot of wow factor to it, but they they can defend, uh, they can get scoring from a lot of different places. And, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's we're starting to sort of see, uh, as this team has played more together, that, uh, you know, again, they can they can beat anybody, really. And, and that's been uh, that has been kind of a revelation around here. We'll, we'll circle back to them. But I want to go to Stillwater, Jenny, where, you know, you've also got a team in Oklahoma State that is quietly putting together, you know, a nice run here. And uh, you look at what they've done winning four of five games after starting off Big 12 play, losing three of four. It's a young team. We know Cade Cunningham is the star of the team. But what is what is clicking for this young group under Mike Boy- Boynton? Yeah, you know, and in that rough start to Big 12 play for them, they had two games, uh, one against TCU, one against West Virginia, that they were leading and leading fairly uh, big in the second half, and they let those games get away from them. So didn't 
as a young bunch didn't quite have that how to finish knowledge in in their back pocket and that was i think that's where we're we're seeing some some change in this team you know they uh they beat uh, arkansas in the sec challenge they play again tonight at tcu you know and tcu is one of those teams that they did let a lead slip away so it's going to be interesting to see where are they now you know obviously with covid everybody's trajectories are kind of all over the place so it's not a apples to apples comparison, but you know, are they, they looked for a large chunk of that game earlier in the year against TCU, like they were the better team OSU was. So will that bear out tonight? We'll have to see, but you know, they have shown, they have the talent to, you know, compete with a lot of teams. And now I think they're starting to learn what it takes to finish teams off and actually win games because, you know, just because you lead by 10 or 12 with, eight minutes to go or whatever doesn't mean the game's in the bag. And I think that's where for a bunch that, you know, it's leaning pretty heavily on, on young guys, uh, you know, or inexperienced guys uh, in the, in the uh, program transfers and whatnot. So I think sort of figuring out, you know, Oh, this is what's going to happen late. And this is how we as a team are going to uh, handle those situations. I think that's been really big for them. And it, yeah, it is really interesting to see, um, you know, with a young, you know, essentially superstar in Cade Cunningham, how he, uh, how he fits in, how he takes over. I mean, a lot of their finishing ability is him <laughs> deciding now's my time. And uh, that's a pretty good option to have a guy of his, of his caliber taking shots down the stretch. Jenny Carlson of the Oklahoman is joining us. Uh, Jenny, how are the fans? You know, it's a weird season with COVID, obviously. Nobody can be at the games or limited attendance, I guess is the better way to put it. Um, so, and we know it's a football first state. So, like, you've got two pretty good basketball teams down there. How how into it does the fan bases of both teams appear to be this season? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I, I think uh, even though OSU is a, uh, a little bit further down the, the Big 12 standings, I think you, you see more fan interest in what's going on in Stillwater than what's going on in Norman. And I, I think that goes back to the fact that OSU – you know, historically, it was a basketball school, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, Coach Iba, Coach Sutton, I mean, whoever you were talking about sort of in the, in those glory times, you know, that's, that's where a lot of OSU fans came to be OSU fans was as basketball, you know, fans. So I think the fact that they saw coming into this season, a team that looked on paper to have the talent to maybe you know, resurrect some of those ghosts of, uh, of, of eras gone by. I think that excited people. And so I think that even as they've had some struggles, I think people are still interested to see where the program is, what Mike Boynton is doing with the program. You know, obviously still questions about the NCAA sanctions that were handed down right now. That's uh, being appealed and hasn't, nothing has happened. So at this moment, OSU is, looks like they would be eligible for the NCAA tournament. Again, it's a big question mark. I don't know, but I do think people are uh, excited about the trajectory of the program overall because of what the program has been in the past. It's probably the, the buzz is probably less around uh, OU amongst their fans because, you know, I think uh, when they've had teams that have been uh, final four caliber a couple of years ago, buddy healed that bunch people got completely enamored with that team, loved the team. Uh, it was, it was a crazy environment. You could tell people were really passionate about it. 
Um, the Trey Young group a couple of years ago, people were very interested in seeing Trey and what he could do, obviously, unbelievable college talent. Um, but Boyd teams that are maybe Final Four caliber or superstar, have superstars on the team, you don't quite see the level of interest amongst OU fans because, you know, that football is a hallmark at OU. And so you don't sort of have that history of, of basketball success down there. Not that people aren't paying attention, but I just don't think there's the, um, I just don't think there's the level of intrigue that you necessarily see out of people that are OSU fans. Yeah. That's, that's the feeling that I get. That's why I wanted to pick your brain on that. Now, speaking of, of football uh, this week, obviously wrapping up signing day for, for programs all over the country, but just from a big picture perspective, Jenny, when you look at where uh, Lincoln Riley has this program, the transfers that he's brought in from Tennessee is next year the year where it's fair for Oklahoma fans to say, hey, if we're going to get over that hump in the college football playoff and at least play for a national championship, this is our year. Well, I mean, it's sure looking like that is, is definitely a possibility for this bunch. You never know. I mean, you, you can never say with 100% certainty. And if this last year has taught us anything, it is that. But clearly they've got, you know, they've got some returners that are key uh, anytime you can have a returning quarterback and a good one at that, I mean, Spencer Rattler fits that bill. That's a good place to start. But then you look around and, and they're, they're going to have a lot of other key pieces coming back. Now, they're going to have some people gone. I mean, uh, guys like Ronnie Perkins on the defense, uh, Ramondre Stevenson in the running back position. They've lost some guys to the transfer portal. So it's not like they're 100% okay. But uh, I think the areas where they needed some replacements is where Lincoln Riley and his staff went out and really targeted those transfers, offensive line being one of them. They, they lose Creed Humphrey, their center, Adrian Ely, another, uh, another starter on that offensive line. And, you know, that's a, that's a place where you need talent and depth. And so they went out and got a couple offensive linemen out of the transfer portal, including uh, you know, from Tennessee, a guy that was a five-star in high school. So they've got, and both, both the transfers, uh, on the offensive line were starters last year. So, you know, guys, you would assume maybe they don't come right in and start, but have that ability to play a lot of snaps. So that's the type of thing that they were able to do with the transfer portal is really be targeted in the guys that they went after and also doing so with an eye towards next year, but also towards the next couple years because of all this COVID craziness that expanded roster next year for for uh, college programs goes to 110, but then it goes right back to 85. So if you're not careful with the guys in your program right now who automatically gained an extra year, that bonus year of eligibility last season, you might down the road start to have problems. So they've got 16 high school guys that they signed in this class, but the rest of these guys they're bringing in aren't necessarily going to be around in another four or five years like those high school guys will. So I think they're looking at that too. What, what can they do in the transfer portal to help them in the short term, but also how can that affect them in a positive way down the, down, down the line when those, uh, when those COVID numbers go back to, you know, that, 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 uh, that, that number mm -hmm. expands, that cap goes back to what it was before. That's, that, that changes things. I, I think it was a really, really smart move by them. And frankly, you know, the transfer portal is not going away. I mean, it's not, it's not slowing down. So to have a, uh, a, a robust response to that and to really be willing to mine 
the transfer portal for for guys that can help you. I mean, I think that's a that's a that's a model, uh, and I don't think they're going to go away from that. It will be interesting though to see, you know, when we're back in more normal times, what do numbers look like? How do they how do they adjust, uh, you know, the the high school uh, numbers versus the transfer portal numbers? I don't know. It, it, it's it's going to be fascinating to see in another three, four, five years, what, what that looks like for OU and frankly, for a lot of programs around the country. I, I totally agree. And last thing then, Jenny, uh, in Stillwater mm-hmm. on the football side of things, with with the way that transfer portal is working, you just mentioned it's not going anywhere. I feel like Oklahoma State, which which does a great job making three-star guys, five-star players, but doesn't get the four and five stars, they would be primed for getting those guys via the transfer portal. It doesn't seem like it's happening a lot. We know that Oklahoma State fans are always griping about Gundy on the recruiting trail. How do you see that playing out? And then kind of big picture after the way this past season went on and then off the field before the season uh, is Mike Gundy. Does he still love doing this every day? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's a legitimate question and, you know, sometimes you talk to him and you say, yeah, yeah, he really does. I think he does enjoy it. And then other times there's a little more skepticism in that belief that, you know, maybe, maybe not. Um, You know, I think that, uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see what uh, what their roster looks like. You know, they have lost some guys, and they've had some guys that could have come back uh, for that whatever we want to call it super senior season that that didn't. Um, and you know, that's that's perfectly fine. That's their decision. But um, you know, what does that do to some some areas on that team? Um, you know, I think it remains to be seen. But they did. They got a huge, huge boost by a couple guys in the defensive secondary who either said they were going or flirted with it going to the NFL and deciding that they weren't going to. That's that's a huge thing. Um, but I think it's going to be really interesting to see uh, both in uh, retention of players, players from the portal, and you know, sort of where, what they get from the high school level. What happens with their defense? I mean, I think last year their offense was not their typical offense. And, you know, that's for several reasons. Um, but they're, they're going to have to get that offense back on track. But the bigger development for them was having a defense that could go out and win ball games. I mean, it has it's literally been decades since that was the case in Stillwater. They had a good defense in, in 2011 uh, when they won the Big 12 and, and, and went to the Fiesta Bowl. But that was – it was kind of a one and a half season blip. It's you have to go back to the eighties to really find, you know, two, three seasons where you could say they had really good defense. So can they turn uh, the last, you know, half of, you know, two seasons ago and last season was really good defense into a more prolonged, uh, prolonged stretch of good defense. I think that's going to be really interesting to see how it develops and the players that they, have retained. I mean, guys like Malcolm Rodriguez, who I frankly thought might be ready to do something different, not necessarily at a different college, but might be ready to say, I'm either trying the NFL or I'm going to get on with my life. Instead, he's coming back. Um, you know, can they build around guys like that, but then also incorporate uh, some young guys, uh, some transfers, those sorts of things. Definitely going to be uh, that. That's the thing. Obviously we're all watching to see, can they regain that swagger on offense? But, can that defense build something long-term? 
um, that's going to be a really telling tale for them, uh, you know. And maybe that is part of the part of the equation with Mike Gundy and his uh, his interest in in continuing to be the head coach. Does he have uh, Does he have a defense that he has to lose sleep over, or are they going to be stable for for uh, you know the next few years and maybe give them a chance to do something that even you know elevates beyond some of the really good years that they've had over the past decade plus. Absolutely. An awesome insight from Jenny Carlson at the Oklahoma and always appreciate her time. Jenny, thank you so much for being here and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Pete. Always great to welcome on Jenny Carlson. I'm Pete Mundo. Hit that subscribe button, leave us a rating and a review, and we'll send you a free Heartland College sports koozie in the mail when you leave that rating and review. Please do do it, guys. It helps us more than you realize. And enjoy the rest of the week. We'll talk to you soon right here on heartlandcollegesports.com.